that's it. This unlikely run continues for UCLA. The Bruins dance into the Elite Eight. An overtime victory against the number two seed of the East, Alabama, 88-78. to 78. On the BetQL Audio Network. Horvat hanging out. It's Joe Ostrowski with you. BetQL Daily Live on the BetQL Audio Network. We're here weekdays, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitter at BetQL Daily, at BetQL Daily. You can catch the show live uh, weekdays, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the radio.com app, the radio.com sports YouTube page, and also 1430 in Denver, 105.9 FM, HD2, the bet in Chicago, Chicago's new home for wagertainment, and 93.1 HD3 in Los Angeles. Eli Herskovich is in the house. Uh, our board op is Jake Hassan in Chicago, directing Dylan Burns from Philadelphia. Mike Rutherford will be here at 10 a.m. Central Time to talk some college hoops. 11 o'clock, we'll uh, check in with Joey Kanish. He's uh, all fired up about his Michigan Wolverines, ready to call out anyone who picks against them, including our very own Eli Herskovich. Uh, Rex Byers will give us the, the behind-the-book, uh, behind-the-counter perspective over at the Superbook, let us know how they landed on these outsized spreads. Man, I didn't think, Horvat that we'd get to the Elite Eight. And you see a seven and a half, an eight. You even see a nine on the board. It, it, dare I say it, after a weekend of Sweet 16 action, I, I know something crazy will probably happen and there will be an upset. But I'm looking at these four matchups and I'm like, yeah, all right. Let's move on to the final four, I guess, because I, I don't know that they're going to be all that exciting. Right, right. I know. And this weekend, you know, I'm not going to complain because I'm really happy to have the tournament back. But I made big plans for the weekend. I had my dad travel up and we sit back, we watch the games and everything was kind of boring this weekend. You know, a lot of blowouts, a lot of unders up until last night. And then last night, you know, we do get a couple of exciting games uh, over the weekend. You know, or Arkansas Oral Roberts was good. That was a two point game. Baylor Villanova, the first half was pretty exciting. Oregon State, Loyola, that one surprised me. But all weekend long, you know, I wanted the classic, traditional buzzer beaters, close games. My problem almost, with almost, almost, yeah, almost, almost. And and of course, the one game, the one buzzer beater we get, the Alabama one, that one killed me. I had the under in that game. It was on pace to hit all night long, and then it goes to overtime. And then all of a sudden in overtime, UCLA looks like it's 1974 and John Wooden's coaching the squad and they dropped 23 points in overtime. So that one goes over. I'm waiting for an over to hit all day long. And then the one under that I play, that's what happens. We go to overtime. So it was just one of those weekends, man. You know, I was really high on Florida State. I did fade Michigan. Bad move as I've done all year long going against Michigan as Florida State's never in that game. They get clobbered. And then I do bounce back though at night. Fight on USC, my USC Trojans, take down your guys' ducks. Ooh. I don't want to sit here and be a wet blanket at all. By, by the way, your guys' ducks, I was that was a coin toss game to me. I bet it live and I yeah. got it wrong. But uh yeah, Saturday, Saturday I was uh Saturday everything was hitting for me, and then Sunday not so much. I was just I was mi just missing just about everything, but thankfully I ended up betting a lot more on Saturday. I uh this weekend for me, I didn't have super strong opinions before tip off. Yeah. But there were many, many opportunities to jump in live. For instance, um you said uh, mentioned the low scoring. Well, there was opportunity with all this low scoring. I mean, you would turn on, for instance, I, I thought 
the Houston Syracuse game was the one that smacked you in the face as much as any, like, right. God, I don't care how much they lower this game. This is going under. It's not even going to get close to the number. And I was amazed throughout that for the first half, just looking every four minutes. It's like, they weren't moving the number much. Why aren't they moving the number? And, and in my mind, I was thinking the under's in great shape if they score 50 at half. And that's exactly where we got to only 50 points in the first half. And it was still around 130 um, live total for much of that first half. It was wild. Yeah. Do you think that that's where we're going to continue to find some value is live betting these games? Because like, for example, yeah. you know, when these lines were released for the sweet 16, I jumped right away. And my favorite bet of the weekend, one of my favorite bets of the weekend um, besides Arkansas, which didn't work out all too well as Oral Roberts nearly takes them down. But my favorite bet was I went over on Baylor Villanova and that total just kept going up and up. And I actually got it at 138 and I was so proud of myself. I think it closes at 141 and a half goes well under, but I feel like that's where the value is right now in these games is live betting, especially with the totals, because right now I'm just, I'm, I'm just off on these totals, you know, sides a little easier to pick, but with the totals, I mean, I thought everything was going under and everything pretty much, you know, up until that last game last night, should have yeah. went under, you know? And so yeah. I feel like that's where you're going to continue to find the value, which that's what I would have done on Saturday night myself. Yeah. That Bama game should have gone under. It was under, but then uh, they needed overtime to get our first over of the weekend. Uh, what's the headline to you? Uh, you could point to unders. You could certainly point to the pack, the dominant Pac-12. Yeah. Or I'll throw another one at you. Michigan, USC are now basketball schools. Yeah, yeah. Michigan especially. Michigan, I don't know why I continue to fade them. All season long, I mean, they hit the glass. They knock down shots. They have so much depth. And that's why I actually liked Florida State. You know, I thought they matched up well because of their depth, because they are long and athletic, and they just couldn't grab a rebound in that game. They couldn't knock down a shot. That was disappointing to watch. They go down 32-21 in the first half, and I just – they made a little run to start the second half, but I just did not see Florida State getting back into that game. And Jawan Howard, I mean, everybody criticized the hire. Nobody – I mean, was anybody even talking about Michigan in the preseason? Everybody slept on them. Yeah. Everybody slept on Jawan Howard. I think he's a top-10 coach in all of college basketball right now. Um, I mean – I saw, you know, we're going to talk with Joey. I saw on Twitter last night, I think he called him the greatest. I think Jay Wright, I'm still going to go with Jay Wright. The guy has won two national championships in the last four years. He does it. And who is his top NBA player in the last five years? Dante DiVincenzo, maybe. So I'll probably still stick with Jay Wright. But, man, what a job Juwan Howard's done at Michigan. Well, yeah. Joe has to be UCLA, this run. Like, the entire conference, yes. But UCLA especially, especially in overtime. Knocking down jump shots. They're defending well right now. I'm shocked. Like, few things actually shock me. I am shocked that Alabama has been eliminated in this tournament and that they're going home. Uh, what you said about a top 10 coach with recency bias involved, aren't we going to say that about most of these coaches that are still alive? You're going to say that about Scott Drew. You're going to say that about Mark Few. Uh, probably Musselman with what he's done in year two in Arkansas, even though they just – survived uh maybe some people would say that about samson the quick turnaround in houston how about mick cronin what he's done and they were almost out in that first four game against michigan state they needed overtime and what cronin yeah. was able to do and and the guys that have gone down for him like, and then they scored 23 points in overtime last night i i think if we're doing top 10 coaches just because of recency bias and what we were watching over the weekend we're going to end up landing on most of the coaches that are still alive 
And, and well, you know what, though? Like, as crazy as it sounds, I think the best coaching job all weekend long, and they lose, and they lose by 11, and they don't even cover the spread, but it was Villanova. And I saw, I think Eli had this take. I think this was one of his best coaching jobs. I mean, without Colin Gillespie, they're in that game. I mean, they had a seven-point lead at half. Yeah against a good Baylor team. And I thought that, you know, Jay Wright, I just thought he did an excellent job, had a great game plan. At the end, they just didn't have enough talent to roll with Baylor. Yeah, I think that was uh, the common narrative. I, I would push up, push back against that a little bit because I saw everyone rolling with that because he has the skins on the wall. Jay Wright, right. with everything he's accomplished in his coaching career. I See, the bottom line for me, and some of this is on the coaching, but the bottom line was the Baylor, Baylor Bears weren't hitting their threes in the first half. Number one shooting team from outside the arc. All season long, they weren't hitting their threes. Scott Drew makes the adjustment at halftime. He's like, okay, listen, we're not going to die. We're not going to die on this. We've yeah. seen way too many teams in the tournament go away early. Great teams because they just weren't hitting their threes. We're going to stop shooting the three, and we're going to dominate the paint. That's what they did, and then they run away. They go from losing to not only winning but covering that spread. Yeah, yeah, and no, and that's a good point right there. And I'm glad that you brought you know the missed shots and there were some good looks. And this goes through, through the entire tournament. I think unders were hitting at like a 60% clip. I don't know what that's at after the two overs do hit last night in the night slate. But you know, looking at it, I texted you that and I said, do you think that you know the 20% capacity and and nobody's showing up for these games? I said, do you think that that's affecting the pace of play at all? Not so much, obviously, the shot making. You're not going to knock down open jumpers because it's a full crowd. But I just feel like that like. The pace of play, I don't know, with these unders, everything's been slowed down. And also, I feel like when teams go down, like double digits, down 10, down 13, other than Baylor, I wonder, like, where the motivation to come back is. I don't know. There's just a lot of variables with this tournament, like, especially because I was talking about this a little bit on the air this morning in Milwaukee, like the NCAA tournament for these kids, like, they're usually rock stars these next couple weeks. Like, they're able to go out and about, have fun while they're playing basketball. Now it's like they are stuck in their hotel rooms. I feel like some of these teams get down and they're like, I just want to go home. Like, look at Gonzaga, what they're doing for fun right now. They have a room taped off so they could go and play pickleball. I don't know. Again, I'm not going to complain. We're getting college hoops. But just the pace of some of these games and, and just, you know, yeah. the, the quality of the product, a lot of these games going under. I just I wonder how much of that has to do with it. You know? Yeah. Just, yeah. I was thinking about that after you texted me and after seeing what should have been seven straight Sweet 16 games go under, right. and the unders end up going six and two over the weekend, I think we want to find an, a, a, just a reason. Okay, yeah. Th this is the reason we have all these unders coming in, and it took until Oregon USC for something to fly over in regulation. So we, we want a reason, and I don't think it's that complicated. I don't know that it's the shooting background we talk about every year. When you look at these box scores, they just didn't make their shots, man. It's, yeah. it's the biggest complaint fan, that NBA fans have about college basketball is you have these dry spells. A team will not score, literally just not score, for five, six minutes of game time like yeah. over these spells. And, I mean, that's the bottom. Baylor, I just mentioned Baylor. They weren't hitting their threes. A team that won jack and threes all year. Best team all season. They go three for 19. Right. How about on the other side, Villanova? They could have won that game. They were three for 17 yeah. on their threes. How about Buddy Beheim? He's going on this ridiculous run, and you credit that outstanding Houston defense, but yeah. he's one for nine from beyond the arc. That was my big concern going into that game. Like, he's due for one of these. You can't just keep hitting over 50%. 
every single game. I, I, I think in some situations it may be the pace, maybe the lack of crowd, a little bit of an impact, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's just these kids aren't hitting their shots. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with it. And if you're an NBA fan, watching this tournament has to be tough because of the sure. shot making in the NBA is better than it's ever been. But also, okay, so with that, yeah, the the, the shooting for some of these teams haven't been knocking down their shots. Uh, I think that the crowd also, like the constant whistles, every single trip up and down the floor, the charging calls, the blocking calls, yeah. the way that they're officiating the game has something to do with it. Also, another thing is like you look at these remaining teams and especially who played you know, this weekend – a lot of great defense being played. You had Loyola, you had Oregon State. Baylor has probably the best defensive backcourt in the nation. Yesterday, you're yep. watching a good defensive team at Michigan. You know, Houston, you just brought them up. And then Syracuse as well defended pretty well in that game. They only gave up 62 points. So I think a lot of that has to do with it, too, is we're seeing some of the top defenses in the nation. Obviously, that's who's playing in this tournament right now. We were so close. Didn't you think we were going to have that moment? 15, Oral Roberts goes to the Elite Eight. Max Aismas, a leading scorer in the nation. That The shot they were able to create on 2.9 seconds was amazing. And that would be the story of the tournament by far if that goes in. But instead, we're talking about Arkansas, the three, moving on. Yeah, that was probably the game of the weekend, obviously. You know, Oral yeah. Roberts it was a pretty well-played game. Like as far as like, if you go back and you watch all these games this weekend, I mean, Oral Roberts only turned, I say only turned the ball over 13 times. Um, Problem was, and that was, that was like a throwback, like 1997, 1998 college basketball game because neither team were hitting their shots. I think Arkansas shot 11% from three in that game, only 37% from the floor. It's amazing that they're moving on, that they're going to advance because, yeah, they're the three seed. They deserve to. Oral Roberts, I mean, they probably shouldn't even have been there. Nice run for them. But Oral Roberts shot 42% from the floor. Arkansas shoots 37% from the floor. But they're the team that's going to advance. And it's because they beat them on the glass. They out-rebounded them. But um, that was probably the game of the weekend. I needed Arkansas bad in that one, though. I hammered Arkansas right away when that one came out. I said, this run has been nice for Oral Roberts, but it's coming to an end. They're losing you were not alone. We talked to people all week, some really smart betters that yeah. have been very successful, but it is a sample size of one. Uh, they were all over that Arkansas game. A lot right. of people were all over them in that one. Uh, we're going to bring in Eli Hershkovich next for the next couple segments. We're going to break down, and, and we'll still continue to, uh, naturally to talk about what happened over the weekend. I know Eli is very upset about Bama. I got over it really quickly because it was just obvious what was going to happen in that game. Like, they're yeah. going to lose because they can't make a free throw. Make a free throw. It was, yeah, I got over it. Can you tell? Oh, man, there there were some things that just, you know, we credit some of these coaches, but, you know, if result goes the other way, yeah. like people are talking about Mick Cronin. What an all-time mistake. How about foul up three? Just a few seconds left. What are you doing, man? Yeah, we'll get to that coming up. Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat, Eli joins us next. We're going to preview the elite eight the rest of this hour you're locked into the betql audio network